0: You
2: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Today, we're going to be talking about an often ignored subject of leadership, mental health. Being a leader is tough, and if you don't actively manage your mental health, like your physical health, it can lead to a disaster. My guest today is Evan Whitehead. Evan is a highly successful leader who experienced this firsthand. He's now developed a process to help leaders better manage their mental health. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Evan Whitehead. Evan has spent most of his career in education as a teacher, a coach, and in a variety of educational leadership positions. He is a former Division I football player who enjoyed a successful leadership career. But there was a problem. Evan was dying inside. Like many leaders, he struggled for years with anxiety and depression. Eventually it came to a head and Evan ended up in the hospital. This is an important episode about a leadership subject that we don't talk enough about, and that's mental health. Every leader needs to hear Evan's story and learn from his experience. So Evan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, John, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate
2: it. Oh, I man, I'm so excited to have you here today and uh, to talk about this important issue, especially in a time like this where there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, and um, I think that you can help us learn from your past experience and uh, what we can do as leaders to, to watch out for the mental health side of uh, the equation. So tell us about your background and, you know, a little bit about football and then coming into how did you get into education and educational leadership? Why did you choose that path?
1: Sure. So um, I I play youth sports since I was about seven years old. And like most people, I play played multiple sports. And um, I actually didn't play football until my freshman year of high school. Um, I had never put on the pads, never played any tackle football. Um, I Actually, my favorite sport to this day is actually baseball. Um, so I played baseball for most of, um, you know, my life and even through high school, um, played basketball as well. Um, and football is just something that kind of Kind of got thrown in my lap. Um, I it was a, the eighth grade going to freshman year. It's time you can get a chance to uh, kind of do an orientation and meet the different coaches in sports. I walked right past like the football table and did a beeline for the baseball table. And then I went back and then walked to the basketball table. Never said anything to the football table. And then the football coach actually grabbed me and and I was with my dad and said, come here. Why did you walk? I said, I don't play football. I never played football. Don't really have any interest to play football. And he was like, you know what? You should should think about it. So that summer, you know, worked out um, as a freshman. I liked it. Had a good time. Um, I actually played quarterback. Um, You know, I was a pitcher in baseball, so I had a good arm. You know, it was pretty athletic at the time. Um, And then my sophomore year, we started going into the season. And it was actually the summer that we started doing uh, workouts. I think the first week I was on the sophomore team for like maybe two or three days. And then we'd split up and always go work out with the varsity because, you know, to to be able to watch the older guys and kind of follow them as well. And then I want to say by the end of that week, um, I had, I got moved up to the varsity and I was wow. starting as, as, as a, as a sophomore. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a surreal experience because remember, this is only one year of ever playing organized football. And then the next thing I you know I'm starting on the varsity as a 15 year old, um, wow. with, yeah, it was, you know, and, and the thing about it was, is that I was surrounded by other guys who were playing up as well. Like, uh, like my quarterback, he was my age. He was starting as a, as a sophomore on the varsity. Um, you know, and so it was a good experience, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot about leadership because I was put in a position, um, with, as, as a leader with guys that were older than me, obviously got seniors, juniors, and, um, you know, I kind of had to step up. And I think that my coach was, was really good because, he put me in a situation to lead, right? But he also didn't make sure I wasn't in a, in a situation where I would fail. But he instilled a lot of things into me and showed me that, you know, what, you had this ability. And I, I was always a leader by example. You know, I wanted to show what I could do, you know, on the football field and kind of, you know, then people followed. And then, you know, off the field, you know, in school, in high school especially, you know, I was always very vocal in class. I was very firm in what I believed in. Um, had a chance to to take some some pretty rigorous courses. And, um, you know, the irony was that in in those classes, I was the only um, African-American student you know, so, so just doing that and kind of having that was a, a kind of sense of a leadership for me as well. But I also was part of clubs and activities. So we, we started a cultural awareness club in my, in my high school, and I was one of the founding members. So that was kind of a leadership aspect for me. And then obviously through sports, whether it was basketball, whether it was football or baseball, um, you know, I was always in a leadership position. I was captain for multiple years in high school. And then um, I had a chance to earn a division one scholarship. And, um, you know that was an eye opener for me because I thought I was pretty good. But then I got around some other guys you get around <laughs> the country and you realize you realize like every, everybody's good in high school. Everybody's great in high school. And then you get there and it's like, you know, it's, it's a different type of um, situation because you really have to prove yourself, right. You have to put in work. And um, you know, for me, football had kind of been easy for me, but it was easy because my coach, Um, was very disciplined and and had us work hard. So our practices were harder than the games. So for me, you know, it was kind of a cakewalk and I didn't realize exactly what was, you know, the potential that I had. Um, So, you know, that was my freshman year in in college. And then I actually ended up transferring and going to junior college. And then when I got to junior college, I was actually um, captain twice. I ended up being all region um, football player there um, won won a bowl game and they got to a championship bowl game another time so just is <laughs> still another leader leadership position and um, you know for me I like not not to be you know arrogant but just the truth like John I've always been a winner like mm. I've always won I don't I don't remember not winning even you know my freshman year in college <clears throat> we were conference championships you know we went to a bowl game you know so like I'm used to winning and I'm used to being in in situations around other leaders where I can learn from. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of how things parlayed for me into education. I did not know I was going to be a teacher, had no (laughs) idea, had no desire to get into education. But um, once again, it's one of those things that kind of fell on my lap. And um, I started out actually as a paraprofessional teacher assistant. And over my career, I've done every position (laughs) in, in a school system except for superintendent. So, um, you know, it's just something that, you know, once again, kind of someone saw something in me and said, hey, you ever thought about this? So it went from being a teacher leader and then kind of being a dean of discipline, another administrative role. And then um, I became assistant superintendent. So all these leadership roles and positions that I've had, whether it was sports and whether it was professional, um, you know, kind of fell on my lap. But it was just by me doing what I usually do. Like I wasn't trying to, I didn't want, I had no desire to just to say, I want to be the captain or, you know, I feel I need to be have this particular title. You know, for me, it was just about doing and, and, and completing the task I was in front of me and doing it to my best ability. And if someone happened to recognize that great, if they didn't, didn't matter. But that was just the way that I had always been taught to go about business.
2: Really interesting. So, you know, you like you said, you mentioned in your whole your whole sports career and even coming into you know school and, and and into leadership positions, you were a winner. You you had a a history of winning. You were put in very difficult situations, as you mentioned. You had a coach that worked you harder in the practices than in games, right? Yeah. So you had overcome adversity. Many times uh, you, you yep. can't you can't play at the level of uh, sports that you played at without having overcome serious uh, adversity. Right. You right. You've, you've lost games. You've won games. You've come come back from be, you know, mm-hmm. being behind. So you've, you've overcome adversity. So you've done a lot in your career at this point, getting into education, getting into educational leadership. So you would strike me, your story is one of success and one of someone that uh, no matter what they do, they succeed at. But there, there, there was a wrinkle to the story, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned to me, we were, to, we were emailing back and forth. You mentioned to me that there was a period where you just felt dead inside. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what happened throughout your career that put you into a kind of a downward spiral.
1: Well, you know what? <clears throat> I think that... There are there are a couple of things that you know I think put me in a certain situation. One is that you know I had some experiences, experienced some early trauma as well that I didn't really discuss, didn't talk about, and then also just the fact that I think um, you know I realized, especially for sports, is that like I didn't love sports; I just happened to be good at it.
2: Mm.
1: Is that you know? Does that make sense? It, that it does, like yeah. you know, so like the passion for me you know, eventually like I didn't have that passion, but I was kind of pushing through like, you know, and I, and I had a little bit of imposter syndrome, you know, Mm. in terms of putting that face on and wearing that mask. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that also carried over into like my personal and also professionally. Right. So I'm putting the face on and, you know, everything looks good, sounds good, appears good, but you know, I really wasn't happy, you know, at Mm. times, or like, I felt that, um, maybe I didn't deserve to be in a certain situation that I was mm. in. Um, and part of that comes from, you know, just the fact of like, you know, in athletics, you know, and also through other things, you know, like when you're taught to like, like the difference between pain and injury, right. You're taught yeah. to push through, right. You know, you're, you're like, you're like, you know, you see adversity as a time to grow. You're taught that. right But then what happens is you almost get conditioned to think that, It's okay to go through adversity, not realizing that like every time you do that and it's consistent in the frequency, it actually works in a negative way because your body and your mind is not not really supposed to respond to adversity or almost like a trauma all the time, right? So what happens is it's good for when you need to, for survival, when you need to overcome something, you're playing sports, you have adrenaline, you know, or like yourself, you're in the military, things of that nature, you understand, but that's not supposed to happen like often because your body needs time to recuperate your mind does because it goes to a different level. It shifts. So I think for me, you know, part of that just carried on to my professional career. Like, Oh, okay. um, Do I need to take a sick day? No, not really. I'm not that sick. Right. Right. You, you probably as, 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 as an entrepreneur, you know, right. You're thinking I have my business. I got to be there for my people. I got to make sure I do that. Uh, You know, it's, I got a little cough, you know, i you know i'll I'll go in either way or or you know the other part is we don't want to take vacation time it's almost right. like we feel guilty about doing that, and I think the higher up that you are in leadership whether you're you're you know your own boss in terms of being an entrepreneur or you or you're in you're in corporate america or in education it's almost as if like you know the example that you set in terms of taking time for your for yourself is not a good model for the people that you serve or the people that that, that work under you right okay. it's almost like you have to put put this put this image of like you can do anything you can go through you can run through a wall and everything's going to be fine but you know what happens is is that when you see those models you don't know what else is actually going on so it mm-hmm. actually contributes to you not fully understanding that, that, you know, you need to take care of yourself and know where you are and, and, and those type of things. Because I think as, you know, as men, especially, right, we have another layer and, and there's this narrative, right. That, You know, if I'm a man, I have to act a certain way, which means that I'm not going to cry. Right. If I'm in pain, I'm not going to let anybody know. Right. Right. If I'm sick, I'm not going to go to the doctor. Um, You know, a lot of those things that we do, we push forward because, you know, there's this idea of what, you know, a man should be or what they should be doing. And a lot of men try to live up to that. Um, But the reality is, is that sometimes we have so much hurt going inside of us or, you know, things that we want to deal with. We don't talk about it. So it actually compounds the situation and it makes it, it makes it worse. And I, and I was no, you know, I'm no different than anyone else. Right. I mean, you know, um, I'm a, have a family, so, you know, they rely on me. You know, I, I have two children, you know, I have a spouse, you know, I, you know, so all those things I've always kind of seen as like, I'll just take something else on. Right. As long as everybody else is okay. Mm. Right. Then that's what matters first. And and I'll get to me when I get time.
2: Mm. So, you know, you mentioned it too, you know, we, you know, you mentioned being a servant leader, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. In in some of the things you do, when you're a servant leader, you tend to take things on maybe more things than you should, uh, whether even it's physical or emotional, or uh, just you get. You get everybody's baggage on your back because you care deeply about your people, and so sometimes we can tend to get our load gets gets too heavy sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, and like you said, we sort of ignore the pain and we push through it, and you know I'll be okay. I just got to get through it, and and especially you coming from a sports background where you yeah. were almost okay, you you got to play through some pain sometimes if you're going to mm-hmm. be you know if you're going to win, so it's, you're almost conditioned to, to to play through it, and um you know I think we we i always talk about a lot about uh, staying physically strong when you're a leader right it's really important uh, staying physically strong and i also believe you should stay mentally strong and also spiritually strong as well you've gotta you gotta be on all three fronts you've gotta pre- protecting yourself because if you don't if you you as the leader fall right and you you don't put your mask on first right before you help others then the whole organization could potentially fall so so talk about like if like mental health is, is an issue that um, we don't talk about too much in leadership. We, we talk about, um, you know, we talk about, you know, accounting and marketing and people maybe sometimes, but we don't talk about mental health and the, and the stress that, that uh, leaders feel and they internalize. Um, so you were, you were dealing with a lot of issues in ter- your, it sounds like, and and I have the same thing, by the way, your, your inner voice was telling you things, right? Yes. It was, but you, but your your outer appearance was everything is fine, right? And yes. Your inner voice is saying it's not fine, but you just say, you know, I've got to, I've got to, yeah. I got to be strong for my family. I've got to be yeah. strong for the people that work for me. I got to be strong for my organization. And uh, but eventually, I think it, for you, it reached a head, right? Is that it right? did.
1: It did. You know, and I think that the 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 difference is, in or I should say, what's unique to my story is that like. I knew the warning signs, uh-huh. yeah. right? I saw them, you know. I had heard about about them, and and even like you know, in terms of me personally, I could see what was going on, right? Mm. But I just figured, you know what? Oh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And that's really what you know what happened is, and it's almost like you know, as I was achieving more success, right? With yeah. that came other challenges, yeah. you know, in terms of doing that. So you know, with so for me. You know, what happened? I I used to be in a situation where my family and I would go on at least two vacations a year. Right. Um, We take time out. We do a lot of things. Um, You know, I spend more time, you know, just taking care of myself physically. But, you know, as the more successful I became in my profession, I actually start letting those things go by the wayside. You know? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't taking the vacations with the family. Wasn't even taking vacations, you know, by myself or with my buddies. Um mm. you know, I would I would not take vacation time period. I was I was I was this person that would have Days that would carry over. And I would have to be told, you got to take your vacation days because mm. you can't take them over. That's how I wouldn't take sick days. Um, all these things that eventually were building up, you know, mm. and I think it, that's a combination of one, you know, always looking for the next, the next thing, right. I had to do better. I had to push, um, had to kind of it was comparing myself to others, which is one thing you don't need to do, but but oftentimes it happens to a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to get to what was next all the time. Then the other part is just, you know, feeling that it was never gonna be enough. So I was always chasing, always trying to do more. But in turn, you know, I wasn't I wasn't taking the time off for myself. And then what would I do? I would, it would almost like, you know, I'd feel bad when I did take the time, right. I feel bad and feel guilty about it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, for me, when it got to that point, like, honestly, literally I didn't have a choice. Right. Mm. So, so it wasn't like, you know, Oh great, Evan, you know, great. You realize, no, it was like, now your mind and your body are going to tell you to stop. Mm. Right. It got to that point where I did, I couldn't, I couldn't continue, you anymore. Like my body wouldn't let me. And I think that's, that's the, that's something that um, I would say for anybody is one of the reasons why I speak so openly about mental health and and mental health awareness is that, you know, I don't ever want anyone to be in a similar situation that I was in, Mm -hmm. you know, because, because the whole point is that your world stops, right? And you also, but you also get a chance to reflect and realize what's really important in life. Yeah. Right. And yeah. what and what are you really valuing? And that's and that's that's kind of, you know, the what I speak about now in terms of, you know, understanding mental health and mental illness. Right. We all have mental health. Right. But but the illness comes into play because we're not taking care of ourselves. Just like when we know we have physical ailments, we should go to the doctor, get them taken care of. Right, right. But when it comes to mental or 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 emotional, you know, we we, we brush it off to the side. And I think that, you know right now with everything going on with COVID and the pandemic, you know, that was a traumatic experience, right. Or it was a trauma, but, but everyone may have internalized it differently, Mm. but our world stopped, you know, like literally we were all like going to the store, going to the restaurant, going into work. And then all of a sudden you had these shelter in place, you know, um, agendas that were going on, you know, you couldn't go to the store, you know, basic things like, all of a sudden we couldn't find like toiletries right yeah, yeah. like it it was it, and we would have never thought probably in the whole time we've been alive that there would be a time where where literally basic basic necessities were hard to come by, but that's yeah. how quick the world changed and I think you know for a lot of people um it was challenging, and you know. I think that part of that comes from, you know, where were you before that time? You know, what, what did you put into, what, what type of work did you put into to be anchored to and be centered, right? Because at any time, like, there's going to storms are going to come, right? But imagine, but how are you prepared to go through it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, during, during COVID and do the, during the, this pandemic, you know, people have two choices. They can either, you know,
0: survive or thrive, We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
2: Deep leadership is brought to you by Strikeforce Energy. Strikeforce Energy is a veteran-owned company founded by a Navy SEAL, and their products are all made in the USA. Strikeforce Energy is a liquid flavor pack that you can add into any beverage. It has zero calories, zero carbs, and zero sugar. Each pack contains eighty milligrams of caffeine. Strikeforce Energy is offering a discount to all the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to strikeforceenergy.com and enter the discount code I Have the Watch one word for a twenty percent discount on every order. Deep Leadership is also brought to you by my Amazon best-selling book I Have the Watch: Becoming a Leader Worth Following. This book is filled with twenty-three short stories on how you can become a more effective leader. It's super easy to read, and most people finish it in less than two hours. Go to ihavethewatch dot and click the large orange button for signed copies. Enter the discount code i have the watch one word at checkout for twenty percent off your order, and domestic shipping is always free.
1: It's, it's funny everyone would say. I wish I had more hours in the day.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. Or or man, I, I wish I could spend more time with my family. Or right. And then <laughs> right. Everything, ev- everything that we always wish for, you know, maybe it wasn't how we thought it would come, but it came. And like, so what did we do with that time? Right. Did we did we find a way to get back in touch with something that we've been doing forever? Did, did we find a time to reconnect? with family, Mm. friends, you know, um, what else, you know, what things do we do to make the best of this time, you know, to figure out, you know, do some deep, some deep um, searching and some reflecting in terms of how can we get better? And, you know, John, for me, this is where, you know, I talk about now my three B's, my balance boundaries and breaks coming. Yeah.
2: That's what I wanted to talk about. That, that, that is really powerful. So talk about, so you, you, uh, if I understand it right, as you were going through this crisis in your life, this came to you, this, these three B's. So, so explain what the three B's are and, and how, how they are important for leaders in terms of maintaining good mental health.
1: For sure. So, um, you know, my three B's are balance boundaries and breaks. And i refer to them as my three B's because, you know, obviously they all start with the letter B, but also, (laughs) um, it also, it's kind of a double entendre because it speaks to being present and just, just to just be right. And, and this came to me actually while I was going through my crisis and I was, and I was healing. And what would happen is I was going through my healing you know certain words would come to me and like mm. balance kept coming up right whether it was me self reflecting or doing a self assessment or working with others and working with my doctors like this whole theme of balance kept coming up and and I didn't think about it as balance before this happened and I was like yeah I don't I didn't really have balance right like didn't I didn't put like time energy and effort into things that were going to be reciprocal right I didn't balance like you know, what I was putting into my body, like the food I was eating, mm. the rest I was getting, right? I like when I was when I was feeding my mind, like I stopped reading, like I wasn't really trying to grow and, and, and get better in that way. And then even my spirit, like I wasn't putting that into it. And I was just hoping everything would fix itself. You know, and I think that's that's a huge component for leaders, right? Everyone says, How do I find balance? You know, what do I do? And for me, that's the the key point is figure out what's a want what's a need and learn to prioritize and doing something simple as, Hey, taking a notebook and just start jotting things down. Everything that you have to do and determining is that a want, is that a need or is it a priority, you know, for me to do that? Because if it's not, you don't need to do it. Right. Because we can put so much into other things and never get anything back on it. Right. And we, and oftentimes we think about, you know, well, I'm a good person and I'm doing this. Well, then I should get it back. But the reality is, everyone isn't like us, right? right? And sometimes our expectations are higher for other people than they even are for, for ourselves, and we get let down. Mm. So that's so that happens a lot. So that's kind of the balance area. The next one is the boundaries, and um, I talk about this because it's not so much about the boundaries that you know always of others people and understanding the boundaries of others, but you know, it's it's really about our personal boundaries, right? We often don't say no. Right. Mm. We say yes to everything. Yeah. And especially especially as leaders. Right. Oh, I'll do it. You know, we need yeah. someone to do this. I'll do. It. I was that person. I was that person that never, I never would, would say no to anything. You know what, if it, if it was sports, hey, you know what, uh, can you go do this? Sure. You want to lead this drill? Sure. Um, you know, can you go work with these guys to help them out? Sure. Can you stay a little later for, for practice or come in early? Sure. Um, you know, you're going to come work out on, on the weekend? Sure. And then when it became professional, same thing, you know we often have like this competition, so to speak, of like who's going to come in the earliest in the office and who's going to lead the latest, mm, right? Yeah. And, and as leaders, it's almost hard for us to give ourselves permission to say, it's okay. I, can, I don't have to stay two, three hours after everyone else is gone, right? Yeah. That's, not, that's not a requirement. But you know, this has been ingrained in us in thinking that's the way we have to do it. And we have to give ourselves permission to say no. Because the reality is, if we don't say no, other people aren't going to tell us no. They're not going to say, no, Evan, you really shouldn't do this. You know, it's okay. You're taking too much on. You may get a couple people that may look out for you, but but at the end of the day, you have to be your number one advocate, mm-hmm. right? No one else is going to be a better advocate for yourself except for you. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's where the boundaries come in, being able to say, no, nope, you know what, this weekend, I have plans with my family. It's Friday. I'm not going to stay at the office late because my family is waiting for me to come home, right? Because we have something planned. I was that guy. I was that guy that stayed at work where my wife is texting me. My wife's calling me, you know, hey, you're supposed to be home, you know, half an hour ago. I'll be home in a minute. Well, then another hour passes. You're supposed to be home an hour and a half ago. And before you know it, like, I couldn't say no. And I felt guilty about leaving the the office at a certain time so now all of a sudden you know i've now pretty much ruined the whole weekend that we had planned as a family yeah because i didn't put myself first and think about what i need to be doing that how, how that can impact my family so that's that's where the boundaries come in and the last one is breaks um i talked a little about about it earlier is that you know for me i was always pursuing what was next i was trying to Im- always improve myself um you know trying to improve myself on the field off the field um you know in the classroom um you know even when i was an undergrad i even pushed myself so much that i took the equivalent of two two semesters in one semester so i took 24 credit hours wow and and i still got a 3.0 <laughs> right so like that, that's that's unheard of. Right. Like, yeah. like, you know, most people will take, you know, four classes of full time. I took eight courses. Wow. You know, and I was working part time, you know, and that's you know, and that was my mentality. Right. I'm going to keep going until, you know, unless i unless I can't bring myself into school and then it carried over to unless I can't bring myself into work and I'm physically ill and, and like I can't move, then I'm going to do it because mm. anything else is, is unacceptable. And that caught up with me. Right. That caught up with me. And and, you know, we have to give ourselves permission to pause. Right. Mm. Um, Our society, we move so fast. Right. Everything, everything, you know, everyone's expecting a quick turnaround, you know, and we don't take time out for ourselves just to breathe, you know, Mm. to appreciate all the things that we have going on. I didn't do it you know, it didn't matter. Like, yeah, sure. I would, I would get a promotion or, or find an, or get a new position or something great would happen. It was almost like it was checking off the box and moving on to the next. I never gave myself a chance to just, you know, to be in that space, to be self-aware and to think about that and, and understand and enjoy it. Um, So that's, that's, that's the breaks, you know, taking, taking that pause, you know, in life. And for me, um, I started doing that through meditation and through mindfulness. Um, I'm a mindfulness practitioner. I I meditate faithfully every day, sometimes multiple times during the day. Um, and for me, like the way I the way I practice my mindfulness, my meditation is very simple. It's it's almost like you know, for the person that doesn't like meditation, you need to meditate with me, right? So so I like literally, I'm talking ten minutes when I get up in the morning, you know, and. It literally is just about being being peaceful and just allowing your your mind to just be, be at ease and understand that there's going to be thoughts that are going to come in. Thoughts are going to go out. You know, you may hear like if it's early in the morning, birds may be chirping, you know, or a car may be passed. That's okay, you know, but just those 10 minutes and just focusing on like your breathing, right? You'd be surprised how simple something like that has such a big impact on starting your day, right? And because you're centered. I
2: think it's great. I think um, we live in a time where everything is 24 seven and, and you know, how many, you know, whether, I don't know what the statistics are, but how often we look at our phone and we look at, you know, notifications and we're on social media and the TV is 24 seven news and we're just bombarded and, And we as leaders are, I got to get this done. I've got actions. I've got to get this, this and this. And so we're always focused on getting things done. And we don't take that time to just be quiet, be still, listen to our thoughts, you know, just, just slow our bodies down, I think. We, you know, it's 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 in our nature to do that. You know, we've done it for for centuries, right? But mm-hmm. we don't do it anymore in the in the society we live in. And I think it's taken a toll on people. I think that's part of the reason why we are stressed like we are. We are inundated twenty four seven with all these signals, all these messages, everything. You know, uh, and I think it's just it's overwhelming. I mean, it's yeah. why young people are are struggling with depression when they have. Everything, you know, that, that, you know, that they could ever imagine is at their fingertips and it's causing depression and anxiety because it's, it's too much. We, our brains can't handle all this input and all this information. We need that quiet time and that time to slow down. And I think it's really important.
1: It, it, it is. And for me, you know, like that, you know, a lot of that was a root, a, lot of, a root to my, you know, anxiety that, that I was experiencing. Right. Always moving, always getting some type of notification, yeah. an email, a phone call, a text message, yeah. Yeah. you know, and then kind of what was next. And so for me, mindfulness has been great because it slowed me down.
0: Mm. Right.
1: Even yeah. as simple as now. So if I, I have a so my phone rings. Right. I actually breathe and pause before I even answer it, I right? How that. often do people, how often do people try to answer the phone in the first ring? Right. Yeah, or even yeah. the second one, like, okay, the phone's going to ring multiple times. And it's okay. If you miss the call, just call them right back. But yeah. like we almost yeah. jump right yeah. to try yeah. to answer a phone or a text message. Yeah. Pause for a minute, you know, you'd be surprised, you know, what that does. It just like, calms you so much like you know your blood pressure decreases yeah heart yeah. rate slows down just taking that time to to breathe and pause and allowing yourself to do it and not feel guilty about it.
2: Yeah what's that's important. really
1: important. So so when you talk
2: breaks it's it's in the day but it's also I would imagine as you talked earlier it's also taking that time to make sure you have those vacations and those yes. times where you can physically get away from your work environment to be able to recharge and to you know, and, to, and to spend time. Cause I think that's when the, that's when your, your mind kind of resets itself. You're like, you know, I really have, you know, I know for me, at least the times that I've had a chance to like when my wife and I will take a vacation maybe at the beach and we always will get up early and walk the beach for the sunrise. We want to see mm-hmm. the sunrise. And just that time just kind of wandering through the beach, watching the sunrise, looking at shells or listening to the birds you know it's it's all of a sudden like life slows down a little bit and you can just say ah you know and then you you're almost thankful for all the things yes. you have and you realize wow yes. i I've, I've come this far in my career i've done these these great things and you you sort of re- instead of thinking about all the things that you aren't you sort of appreciate all the things that you have and all the things that you have done in your your career i think it's that those quiet times i think help you reset and refocus and then you're ready to go again when you're you know your vacation is over you're kind of ready to go again
1: i mean th- there's a reason why why people take vacations and why we <laughs> have time to do it but but so many leaders they don't do that right they yeah. they don't they don't take that time out but but you know you do come back a better person if you unplug right and you detach a little bit and you know what as leaders, if we're gone for a short period of time, a few days, a week, everything's going to be okay.
2: Everything's right? going to be okay. Every, everything's going to be
1: okay. <laughs> and, and, and right, and, and but a lot of times we don't. It's hard for us to to tell that to ourselves because right. we're thinking about so many things that could possibly happen. But the reality is, is everything's going to be okay, and the work's going to be there when we get back. Right, right. Like so, just take that time because, as you said, we don't get a chance to appreciate everything yeah. that, that that has happened. You know, if you have children, same thing, you know, you blink and you know, they're, they're newborns, infants one day. And then next thing you know, right. They're headed to college and then going on with their lives. And for me, that's another thing. Like, you know, I, I realized even when I was physically present, I wasn't present, like mm. you know, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. I was there, yeah. but like, I, so many other things were going through my mind that I wasn't present. So I think that that's the one thing that, you know, um, over time it took me to a point to learn to be present. Right. And enjoy the moment. And, you know, like, you know, we're here, we're talking right now. That's, that's what we're doing. You know, afterward we can do anything else, but really that's it. And just be, because I think there's this misconception about, um, someone being physically somewhere versus them being present and that that that's if you're a leader if you're not a leader if you're at work whatever it is like this there's this misconception that oh I'm I'm at work today I'm at my desk you know and I'm doing my work but what if I'm not really present
2: you know mm-hmm. and I'm not
1: really there and I think that's you know for me in education that was something that you know had a lot of conversations about determining whether or not you know, um, coming back to school and whether it was going to be in person or was it going to be remote? Because, you know, the reality is that from the mental side, if people are concerned about other things aside from their job, their performance is going to go down. Right. So if, if I'm concerned about, you know, I have, I have a loved one at home that I take care of or that they're immune compromised or my child may get sick, you know, as an educator, as a teacher, you know, am I really going to be present for the students that are there, you know, because I'm going to be thinking about my own family. And as much as much as we say we care about, you know, others at the end of the day, you know, we have our own family. We, we want to make sure they're OK. And I think that if we if we can't do that, it's going to take away from what we're supposed to be doing. So just working on being present and allowing people to do that and figuring out, like, is this really worth you know, the, what's the trade-off, right? Um, so I think a lot of those things, I think, are going to be coming into play as we move forward. We don't know what what is going to take place over the next six months to a year. Um, you know, but I think that, you know, I would just hope that, if people are listening and what they're thinking about right now is taking some of those tips and just trying to make them practical for yourself. Right. Mm. Don't rush and feel, okay, I haven't talked about three B's. Okay. <laughs> now you got to try to do this, this, and this. You know, <laughs> do not do that. Do, do, do that's not, not, to-do not do that. My to do list. That, right. Right. And that, that's exactly what I don't want you to do. Like it, yeah. it really is taking that at your own pace, but a little bit at a time and figuring out, you know, what works best for you. You know, um, for me, The mindfulness meditation is something that I have in my daily routine. That's what I do. It works for me. It may not work for everyone, but there is something that you can probably connect to and anchor yourself in so that you start following those three B's and and, and incorporate them so they can be pillars um, into your life. I
2: love it. This is really powerful. So balance, boundaries, and breaks, the three B's. So what are you, what's the plans next? What are you doing with these? Cause I think this is a powerful message. And uh, what is, what are you going to do with this? And, uh, so, so, I'm excited about uh, what your, what your future with this.
1: <laughs> so, um, well, the first and foremost, you know, um, anytime I get a chance to speak about this and, and share my message, my personal story, and also about the three B's, I do it. So, you know, um, I come on podcasts like yours and talk about it and, you know, for me, it's just being being able to tell my story, and then and then also to scale it, right? Having an impact and be able to scale it because you know, if I don't tell my story, then who else is going to tell it for me? And there could be someone else that needs to hear it right now yes. as we're talking. So that's that's the one thing. I also have partnered with um, with a global mental health initiative and campaign. Um, same here. Um, And that's uh, that's Eric Houston started that. And it is it is a global movement in terms of getting a lot of people from all walks of life, celebrities, professional athletes, um, you know, the common the common person like myself and talking about, you know, mental health, mental illness, and bringing that awareness, um, to light. So he and I are doing some projects right now. Um, you know, we're working, we're working on a show that, that we're doing to talk about, um, you know, mental health, mental illness, also incorporating some things around social justice, um, because we know that's a huge topic right now and, 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 and it's great. We just want to model, you know, that two people that you may think may look differently, you know, physically, um, you know, in our backgrounds, but, but the reality is we have so much in common um starting with the mental health side and then going to some of our other um backgrounds that there really isn't a lot of difference in people like we're very we're we're more we're more similar than we are different so that's mm. our that's our message there and then the last piece is that um you know uh, last couple of pieces I'll be doing a couple of webinars um focused on social emotional learning and well being for for adults um that that'll be coming up and then the last thing is um I am actually um writing a book right now on the the balance, the balance, (laughs) the balance boundaries and breaks. So, so, um, look to look for that coming out probably the next year. Um, but definitely talking about that because, um, you know, I think that those three words that I thought were so simple, you know, the more I talk about it and the more I talk to people, it resonates with them. And then, you know, it doesn't matter like what, what, you know, what you do, what your profession is, you know, it doesn't matter. Like I found so many people that, you know, originally I thought, oh, this is an educator self-care and wellness thing. It doesn't matter. Everybody, everybody goes through something and they struggle with, you know, being able to balance their time, energy and efforts, you know, um, adhere to their own boundaries and then take breaks. And, you know, when they need to and pause. So um, hopefully, you know, when that comes out, there would be more people that I can that I can help out and learn from my learn from my story as well.
2: That's fantastic. Well, what we'll do is we'll put all the links to all of these uh, resources in the show notes so you can check it out. And um, when you finish the book, I want you to come back on the show because I want to talk about it. I'm looking forward to the book. Uh, And uh, I really think that this is a powerful uh, message and a powerful story and what you've gone through and, you know, coming out of it and then taking all these lessons and then packaging it to a way that people can understand it and and apply it to their lives. And I think we as leaders tend to take on a lot and uh, we kind of think we're superheroes. And the truth of the matter is we're not. And we need to look at these three things, as you mentioned. Balance, boundaries, breaks, and we got to make sure we're taking care of ourselves, both uh, you know physically and spiritually, but also mentally. We've got to have a good you know good mental balance so that we can take care of our organizations, we can take care of our families, we can be in it for the long term and not just you know focus on just short term. We're there for the long term for our families and our companies, and I think it's a really important message. So, uh, Evan, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story. Thank
1: you so much, John. I appreciate it. Peace and blessings.
2: Okay. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. So thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well.